there's no waste in the creative process. There's no wasted time. There's no wasted image. There's no wasted action. Anything that doesn't get used gets kind of composted. It's part of making the ground that you're planting in more fertile, as opposed to this model that like, when you don't use something, you've wasted your time, you've wasted your materials. It's going out to the landfill. Welcome to the Impact Driven Entrepreneur, the podcast that helps you expand your reach and convert that reach into clients so you can lead your tribe with confidence and create change in the world while living the life you desire. And now your host, certified business coach and consultant, Mariana Ruiz. Hey there. In this episode, it is the third show out of a series of three that I'm doing all about helping you to stand out online. And if you haven't already, go back and listen to episode 13 with Kate McCarthy. In that episode, we talk all about how to infuse copywriting into who you are, into your copywriting. She's a wonderful copywriter and helps you to really come at your copy instead of from a conversion standpoint, from a really heart-centered place so that you can lead people to the sale in a way that feels really, really good to you. And the next episode in this three-part series was with Kate Remmer. She is the amazing designer who did all of my rebrand for my current website. If you haven't seen it already, it's at impactdrivenentrepreneur.com. And that is another really, really insightful episode with five tips to help you stand out online. And then in this episode, we're talking all about creativity with Amy Walsh. And Amy has been so, so generous in gifting one of you an entire hour. Like, isn't she so generous? Okay, so a one hour session with you to help you to tap into your creative genius. It's going to be a creative coaching session with her. If you complete the assignment at the end of the episode, you will be considered for this giveaway. So go ahead and take a listen, do the assignment, for this amazing opportunity to have an hour with the incredible Amy Walsh. So without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Thank you for joining us, Amy. I'm so excited to talk with you. Just for everybody listening so that you kind of know what's going on. Amy and I met in person, actually, outside of Boston at Mastermind Retreat that I was at. She was speaking about creativity, and I asked her to come onto the podcast to talk about this because I think it's so important for us as entrepreneurs. And unfortunately, I just hear a lot of people, entrepreneurs that come to me saying like, I'm not creative, or I just don't have the creative spark inside of me. And I wanted to really help you guys to bring that out. And I think Amy is like the perfect person to help us all to embrace our creativity. So welcome. Thank you so much, Mariana. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. And it was wonderful to meet you in person. (laughs) Yeah, same here. I just love connecting with entrepreneurs in person. Like, this is my new addiction. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes. More and more. Yeah. So tell us kind of like how you got started with this and how you got to doing what you do. Because I think it's really cool what you do too. Thank you. I have been doing this business, the Bureau of Tactical Imagination, for about 18 months. I actually started it as a life coaching business and I was helping moms of young children reconnect to their creative process 
as well as self-care. And the business is just, I think like many of us, it's evolved and evolved and evolved and evolved to what I'm doing now, which really focuses on visual storytelling and on the idea that every business builder, every business owner is a cultural agent. Like we're all actively contributing to and shaping the cultures around us. And that's part of what's so exciting about the work we do and so important about the work we do. And like you said, I help people connect to their creativity and establish creative practices that help their businesses to stand out, to be genius, to be brilliant and amazing, and really to find images, kind of uncover that visual story of our businesses, images that really strike to the heart of what the work is that we do and the genius that we bring, translating that into visual language, which is a challenge for almost all of us. And that's what I do. And I came to it because I am a longtime artist and really have been an artist all my life, but in my adult life have spent many years as a exhibiting artist, a studio artist, an art professor in universities, and a designer and branding specialist. And The thing that has connected all of these different pieces for me is that I'm a giant visual culture nerd. I just love thinking about how we collectively as a culture talk to ourselves about who we are and about the nature of the world and the nature of reality through images, how we tell stories through images, how we receive stories through images. That's all wildly interesting and magical to me. And that's the play space that I love to be in. So when I started my business as a life coach, it was in a moment where I really needed a business that I could kind of do from my bed because I was going through a really big illness at that time. And um, I'd kind of taken everything down to the bare bones. (laughs) And as I evolved to where I am now, it's kind of mirrored my healing process as I've kind of gained more and more energy to go more and more deeply into what I'm most passionate about. It's really led me to this place where I'm now collaborating with just incredible and beautiful people who are building businesses to create visual stories that help them succeed and are also good for the world. So I hope that answers your question. Yes, that is so awesome. And first of all, I'm glad you're doing better. Thank you. And I think like the first thing that really comes up to me, like, I feel like I'm visually challenged. Like (laughs) (laughs) when you say like, create that visual culture or like tell a visual story, like Mm. I feel like an instant almost like, oh my gosh, this seems daunting. Like, how do I do that? And so I think my first question and probably something that some of the listeners might be asking themselves is like, when you are approaching your brand and you want to stand out online, like how can we start to tell that story visually? Okay. Well, first of all, I think almost everybody feels that way, like that they're not visual people or not visually creative people. And So really the first thing I start with, with my clients and really remind everybody over and over as we work together is that a couple of things. (laughs) One is that we are all more visually sophisticated and sensitive than we feel like we might be because we live in a culture that is 
teeming with and overflowing with visual stories. So while we might not be always conscious of it, we are already receiving visual stories kind of very intensely and processing them and understanding them. So we're not starting from nothing, right? We are cultural and creative beings living in a very visual cultural landscape. And there's so much there that we can access once we have a few tools and some confidence to access it. Especially nowadays where you don't necessarily have to have had years and years and years of training in a craft, for example, to make an image. Like it's very easy for us to make images with our phones and with really simple editing software and things like Canva. (laughs) You know, we can make memes in, in two minutes, whether we've had training as an artist or not. And obviously training and developing craft has its own benefits. But visual storytelling is something that is more accessible to all of us than ever. But I do think the biggest barrier is our lack of confidence. And I could go on and on about sort of how we're raised and our educational system and what leaves us with a lack of confidence. But for now, for time, we'll just kind of start there that most of us lack confidence in this area. So I just want everyone to know that despite the mythology that's out there in the world about that some people are creative and some people aren't and some people get to be artists and some people aren't and some people have talent and some people don't, that every single human being, including you, is limitlessly creative. It's like how we're made. To me, it's something that's as inherent to being human as like having blood and bones. It's what makes us human in so many ways, like our ability to tell stories and create worlds and use our imaginations to just create layers of story and of reality around us. And we do it all the time. Everybody does, even though we don't label it as such. And even the fact that you're creating a business reveals you to be a creative person. Because what are you doing when you create a business? You are bringing something new into being that never existed before. It might be related to other things. It might be similar to other things in your industry, but you are engaged in a very creative process of bringing together all the raw materials that go into building a business, just like a a sculptor would bring raw materials together, combining them in your own special way, solving problems and addressing issues in your own special way and putting them out into the world in a way that only you can. And it's a deeply creative process. And every person who builds a business is tapped into their creativity in that way. So I just start there. It's like basic creative confidence mindset. And then I think it really helps to have some really simple assignments, like some little, like doable, unintimidating, creative process assignments that are aligned with your level of skill and your level of confidence. Once you've worked on the confidence piece a little bit, you know, a little bit of a stretch and a little bit comfortable assignments that set you on a path to creating images and seeing what you can learn from them. Because another big cultural myth out there is that you get struck by a bolt of lightning, right? And that's genius. And suddenly the completed idea arrives in your mind and then you 
sit down for an hour and whip out something brilliant. It's never how it works. <laughs> it's never how it works. And that myth just makes us feel so badly. Totally. We sit there looking at a blank page and we're just like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> totally. I feel that same way. Like I definitely consider myself more of a writer. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way when I go to write. So like, I really enjoy writing, writing content, writing, even like copywriting. I really find that to be really, really exciting. Mm. But the inspiration, sometimes I'll get like a twinge of inspiration somewhere else. But like, usually I just go to the computer and then the flow starts to happen as I am writing. And so there is definitely no bolt of like... perfect creativity that comes out of the heavens um, and pours down on me. So I love that you dispel that for sure. I think that's a really important piece. The idea comes from doing the work, right? Like you just Mm -hmm. start and then things start to build and you start to go on kind of a journey. And that's absolutely the same thing with visual things. You start somewhere and it just gets to be awkward and maybe a little confusing and you start wandering along and trying things and then something accidental happens and you follow it. And I think that's one of the biggest ways we get tripped up with our confidence is that we look at the thing we're doing for reassurance. Like, mm-hmm. is it good enough? Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? And that's putting way too much pressure on the thing we're making because the thing we're making is supposed to just be an awkward journey, you know, a slow unfolding. Like you say, when you're writing, it's like you have to write a lot of words sometimes before it starts to make sense. And then one genius thing pops up. Like it's like one line. I remember I was writing an email sequence and it was for a client, I think. And I was writing this like big, long sequence. It was like page after page of writing. And then like, one line came out and that line mm. ended up becoming a Facebook ad that did really, really well. Yep. But yep. Like that line would not have been possible if I hadn't been writing for pages and pages right. and pages. Well, um, you have to prepare the ground. You have to like create mm-hmm. the conditions for the kind of epiphany to appear and a blank page or a blank canvas or just sitting there thinking is never the right conditions. <laughs> totally. And I want to just go back and highlight this. So like you just said, we look to the unfinished process for validation. And I just can't help to like point this out, right? Like when clients either come to me or are building their business in any way, shape or form, this is the problem. This is truly the problem is you're looking at your business as like, you know, it's not this perfect vision that you have yet. And it's because you're still in process and that's okay. Like it's okay to be in process and it's okay to not have all of the things perfectly created in your business, all of the perfect amount of income you want to be making or all of your vision come true yet. So I think that's really important is not to judge ourselves by the messiness of the process. Exactly. I could not agree more. I was actually just writing about that in Lacey Craig's group, the Lit Up and Loaded Entrepreneur, like just looking back over my last couple of years of business, especially early on, this still dogs me sometimes, but especially early on, always feeling like I was doing something wrong because my business wasn't where I was supposed to be. Like it always felt like a problem. 
that had to be fixed. And now, you know, in retrospect, 2020 hindsight, like, oh, each step of the way, I was actually doing exactly what I needed to do to get here. And I'm still doing exactly what I need to do to get to the next thing. And I think that's really comes up in making things visually too. One thing I tell my clients is you might spend an hour generating 50 potential social media images, like snapping pictures or doing collage. And out of those 50, you might go through it afterwards and realize that there's maybe only four or maybe only two or maybe just one that actually is aligned enough with your brand and feels good enough to you that you're going to use it, right? But that other 46 or 48 or 49 images that you made are not waste. They're not failures. And in fact, there's no way you could have gotten to those great images without making all those other ones that you're not going to use. They're not wrong. They are what was necessary to learn. They're part of the final product in a way. And I think it's useful to think about that in business generally, that all the things you do that you just can't tell if it's right or not, you had to course correct and kind of fix mistakes. Those are all really critical parts of your process. Without those, you would not have grown. So I think there's a lot of parallels, like you're saying, between business as a whole and something like making images, which just underlines that point that it's all about creative process, that we're all active creators. Yeah. And you know what really struck me when you said that it's so similar to Facebook ads, and I don't consider Facebook ads to be creative. But as you're talking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I guess they kind of are. Like to me, Facebook ads is so analytical. You know, I'm looking at like all these numbers and it's very linear. But I mean, you literally, I will put out like 10 ads and out of that, maybe like two will do good. Mm -hmm. Um, Two are the right message to the right market. And it's like, you hit the nail on the head. But there are literally like eight to 10 that are not used. Right? Yeah. And I'm willing to bet that you can take this concept and apply it to multiple areas. And I think like, one of the things you can do is if you find that good thing that came out of it, and this is how I do with ads, which I think is just important. But like, if you finally find something that is working, don't scrap it and just use it once, right? Like figure out ways to reuse that again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And build on it. You do the 50 images and three of them have something, even if you can't explain, it's like these three are kind of alive. These feel like something interesting. Then your next 50 can be based on those three as a starting point. Mm. So you just keep growing and evolving what you're learning. Yeah, totally. And then that allows you to, when you've built on it, you're not like starting from zero again, it just makes it easier the second round, third round. Yes. Yeah. The little kind of sound bite I like to say about this that's easy to remember is there's no waste in the creative process. There's no wasted mm. time. There's no wasted image. There's no wasted action. Anything that doesn't get used gets kind of composted. It's part of making the ground that you're planting in more fertile, mm. as opposed to this model that like, when you don't use something, you've wasted your time, you've wasted your materials, it's going out to the landfill, right? No waste in the creative process. Yeah, that's like a big mindset shift, for sure. Yeah. So when you're talking about 
the exercises. Is there like one or two you might be willing to share with us? Like if we're new to playing around with the visual storytelling, like is there one or two things we might be able to like go and do that might help us to get the creative juices going? Yeah. Well, there are thousands, you know, there are as many as there are people in the world. There are thousands for every person. I think what I could do is give you some tips about how to design assignments for yourself. Yeah, that would be great. So when I work with people to uncover the visual story of their business, I work in three areas with them. And one is we start with who you are like as a creative and a cultural person. So I'll ask questions like, in the whole story of your life, all the way back as far as you can remember, what have been the things in the culture around you that really sparked your imagination from Sesame Street or Barney on? You know, it could be TV, movies, art, things like dance, sports, like what cultural things really brought you alive? And when you start to really go deeply into that question, you can see that there are these threads that carry all the way through these seemingly unrelated things. And I ask a similar question about what have been the things your whole life that you have wanted to make or put out into the world? And that can be everything from like cooking to doing dance routines with your friends when you were young to fixing cars to making art, to writing, performing. So it's this investigation into kind of who you are creatively and culturally. And there's so much there for everyone. So I often say with an assignment is to bring in some aspect of that. And I'll give examples once I've gone through these three kind of sections, because the assignments that I craft with people are really based on these three different areas. The second area is all about your business. And this goes into some of the deeper branding questions. What is the vision of your business? What are the values that your business holds most dear? What's at the heart of the kind of transformation people get when they work with you? What does working with you feel like and look like if your business were a place that people visit in kind of a dream world? What does that place look like? So we really go into these branding questions and we really look for what comes out of you, what language comes out of you that can easily translate into something visual, right? And then the third piece of it is, what's the larger visual culture that's around you? So what do all the images look like in your market? People who do what you do, what kind of images do they post? What do those, that sort of collective body of images say about the people that are arriving as potential clients or customers or about the practitioners themselves or the coaches or whoever it is? Like what stories are being told and what stories are being left out and what story do you bring to that larger picture? So to craft an assignment, you kind of take into account what you're comfortable doing, because the assignment should be sort of a path of least resistance where you start out with something about who you are creatively and what your work is creatively 
and how you want it to go out into the world. So I realize all this sounds kind of overwhelming. So I'm just gonna give an example, a concrete example. So maybe you discover as you're talking all about your childhood that over and over this theme keeps emerging of comedy and humor. Like Dr. Seuss was like huge for you for years and years and you still love Dr. Seuss. And there's something about that that's really aligned with your personality like the ridiculousness of it and the strangeness, but the cuteness, like all those things. And I promise you, those things feel unrelated to our work sometimes, but they're always a really important part of what you bring to your brand, right? And then you may discover something at the heart of your work may have to do with, for example, I don't know, let's pick something really straightforward, like You help people get clear about money. You're a money mindset coach. And you notice out there in the market that a lot of the money mindset work is a lot of the visual stuff that you see out there is really soft and fuzzy focus and sort of conventionally feminine looking or something. So now you can create craft an assignment for yourself where you say, okay, I really like to do collage. The collage feels unintimidating to me. So I'm going to just print out a whole bunch of images from Dr. Seuss. And I'm going to see what happens. And I'm going to print out a whole bunch of phrases and sentences that have to do with my values and the work that I deliver around money. And I'm going to start combining them in all different combinations and see what happens when I combine these different images with these different sayings. And I'm going to see how the words and the images affect each other. And before you know it, you have maybe 50 images, (laughs) one or two of which are just completely hilarious, very poignantly true to your message, and totally stand out in the market that you're in. So that's an example. And again, in the long term, you might say, you know what, Dr. Seuss doesn't align with a certain other part of my positioning or whatever. That's okay. But you're just finding ways to kind of mash together these different aspects of what are important to you and what's in the culture around you and just seeing what emerges. Mm, Cool. So if I did that, I think I would have to choose Saved by the Bell. (laughs) Saved by the Bell. That was like a sitcom, right? Yeah. I was like obsessed with it when I was a child. (laughs) So what was it that captured you? Oh my God, I don't know. There's something that captured you that's important. I think it was like the corny little lessons, you know, like each episode had some sort of like lesson. Mm -hmm. I've always just really loved learning. So it sounds so corny. And so, yeah, but I think it was like the lesson, like finding the bigger lesson as the story was unraveling. Like I would try to guess what's the lesson going to be this time. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So can I just coach you for a second here? So I love that you just said that and that you just showed us your thinking or feeling about it, like that it's corny or something like that. Because a lot of times what comes up for us is that we trivialize Mm. our experience as young people because young people's thinking and perspective on reality gets trivialized a lot. Mm. So Saved by the Bell was part of your culture as a young person. Mm -hmm. And there's something really important about what you were seeking in that show and about how your beautiful young mind worked to 
work out the puzzle of the message in the show. Yeah, that's so true. That is not like trivial at no. all. <laughs> no. And I would guarantee that that way that your mind works is so deeply important to who you are as a business owner and who you are as you seek to understand and assist your clients. Absolutely. Like my number one favorite thing to do is like that, like, like I said, like teaching, learning, that kind of stuff, but also the problem solving. So like midway. And I don't know if you know this about my background, but I used to work in brain surgery. So like, it's all problem solving. Yes. And it's really cool, like in brain surgery, well, anything to do with the brain, but like the different areas will determine the person's symptomology. Mm -hmm. So it's just so fascinating to me to find the correlations Mm -hmm. and like how two people with like very similar brain injuries might have slightly different symptomology. I mean, just the whole problem solving thing. It just really all comes down. That is fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So were you a surgeon? Were you a nurse? Like, were you a technician? What did you do? I was a nurse. So I worked as an RN for a long time, like six years or so in neurosurgical ICU. Right. And it was like recovering people from brain surgery and just watching them at their most critical time of their life. It was just really, really amazing. Really beautiful work. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So if we were working together to uncover the visual story of your business, we dive into that. Mm-hmm. We dive into Saved by the Bell, all these different <laughs> things <laughs> yeah. that are so central to who you are and how your mind works totally. and how you interact with people and help people. Yeah. And it's so fascinating that like, this is the stuff that like makes each person unique, right? Like if you're out there, like, I think this is just for everybody listening but like sometimes we're out there and we're a coach or consultant or whatever you do and you might think like well there's got to be other people that are just like me and the truth is that they're really not like that's right I can guarantee that if you discover you're saved by the bell and your neurosurgery like whatever that means for you mm-hmm. like it is unique and it is unlike anybody else. And even if there was somebody else who was, did have a background in neurosurgery or did have say by the bell as their thing, their other pieces are not going to be the same as you. Right. That's right. Out of the three, when we're looking at the three facets that you're teaching. Yeah. I was actually just writing about this this morning. I've been thinking about this a lot. How many of us are in industries with lots of other people around doing things that seem similar on the surface. Mm -hmm. So say you're a life coach or a spiritual entrepreneur and many of the values of the work that you do on the surface are about empowerment and freedom and liberating yourself from negative beliefs or oppression or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And so many of us in those industries where there's a lot of kind of shared value, which is a good thing, there's like cultural upswelling of ideas that are happening. That's kind of a collective process that's really powerful, right? Mm -hmm. But what ends up happening is we start making images based on those values. And then suddenly we look around the visual landscape and we say, I am one of 800,000 people who is putting out images of 
a woman leaping through a field looking empowered. (laughs) When I found this image, it felt so true to what I do. But here I am in my industry and I'm not standing out at all. Am I the same as all these other people? How do I possibly stand out here? And in every industry, I'm not picking on spiritual entrepreneurship, like every industry this is an issue because there are these big trends that are really positively symptomatic of like shared cultural awakenings that are happening or ideas that are shared. And what I've come to understand is that when that's happening to you, it signifies that there's an opportunity to go much deeper with your branding and an opportunity to get much more confident about who you are creatively. Because when we aren't standing on our own ground, knowing that we are absolute geniuses, <laughs> that our own history and our own development and all the things that make us so unique are not trivial, right? Like going back to Saved by the Bell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we really claim all parts of ourselves and our story and really claim our genius then there's no way that the thing that comes out of that is going to look like anybody else's. But when we don't really trust our own genius and our intelligence and our value and our worth, there's this vacuum that's created. And what gets sucked into that vacuum is the sort of dominant culture and the trends that are around us, which can also sometimes include things that are really problematic that don't align with our values. We end up perpetuating damaging stereotypes or sort of unawarely perpetuating parts of the culture that we don't even want to be because it kind of comes in to fill that vacuum. So I think branding can be this really deeply liberating process of like claiming who we are and really claiming our sense of our worth and our genius. And when that starts to truly happen, it gets a lot easier to know what the images are that really speak to that. Yeah. And I think that like would give you just immense confidence, right? Is like through the process of really discovering who we are, Mm -hmm. we can really just gain the confidence that we are not one in a million coaches, right? We are a very unique person that is unlike anybody else in this world, right? That's right. Yeah, that is so beautiful. And also really empowering because this is really like, at the other side of you asking yourself these questions and mm-hmm. being willing to explore it. And I think you said a really important word there, and that is trusting yourself. Yes. So that means, right, like trusting yourself on the journey, trusting yourself to do the work. Any other things you want to think about with trusting? But I think it's just so important. Trusting your mind, I think, mm-hmm. is a really big one. I think particularly for women or people who are kind of raised, targeted by sexism in any way, regardless of your gender in the present. If you had sexism come at you in your life, if you have it around you, like the air you breathe in your life, a really big piece of the content of sexism is that women's intelligence is not whole, Mm. that our perspective on reality and our ability to be the kind of center, sort of mental intellectual center of our lives is somehow incomplete, right? Like men are the sun and women orbit. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even if we know that's not true and we don't believe it and we've always fought it, even if our mothers fought it, even if our fathers supported us, like we just absorb that. We have even those of us who are like really out there with our thinking and our minds, like there's some place in our minds where we doubt that we can truly think about and express our thinking about anything we want to. And growing to trust our own minds, our intelligence is complete. There's nothing broken. There's nothing we can't think about. I think it's really, really big for creative confidence. I think that's where we get really tripped up when we have the inevitable missteps and failures and different things that happen with our business. We take it really personally. Like, am I some little tiny voice in there? Or maybe a big voice is saying, am I smart enough to pull this big complex project off? I don't know. Yeah. So trusting our intelligence is a really, really big area, I think, yeah. that we need to take on. I love that. And yeah, I totally agree with you, right? Like we don't need to have experienced it personally, mm-hmm. but in most of the societies, right, of anyone listening to the show, women are discriminated in some way or another, right? Mm-hmm. Even just based on the fact that we don't see women's voices as much mm-hmm. on TV or in the media or whatever, or that the women in the movies that we see, speaking of visual culture, <laughs> tend to be their relationship to the main character, who's more often than women are the main character are men, and that women are positioned more in terms of their bodies and their relationships to others, where men are positioned as sort of the saviors or the the main active person, the main Mm -hmm. protagonist, all those things don't seem at the moment like they're doing anything, but they do really affect us in a personal way over the long term of our lives. Totally. Yeah, Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I think it's just really important, like talking about like our values and empowerment, right? Like this is an opportunity for us to explore our own experiences with that. Mm -hmm. And I would even say too, like anyone in corporate settings, right? Like I was a nurse. Most of the nurses were women. (laughs) Uh And there was a couple men nurses, but they were made fun of a lot. And most of the neurosurgeons were men. And there was like one neurosurgeon that was a woman and boy, did she get the brunt of things. Right. And Mm. so, I mean, it, just can happen so subtly and so often we dismiss right like and that's not really happening or whatever Mm. but I think that's a really good point is like yes we have the ability to choose to then like heal that story yep absolutely and making images is such a wonderful way to do it like selfies you can set up assignments for yourself just for your own personal exploration here. Don't put the pressure of like what you're going to put online on this first, but like you can do a series of selfies that are like, how do I photograph myself in a way that shows something about my mind and my genius and is less focused on my personal appearance? Mm. Like, how would I do that? How would I actually deflect people from my clothing or my hair and bring attention to something about my sense of humor or something about the way my mind works. You know, it's a really challenging question because photographs, in a way, they're all about appearances, right? But one thing I've 
taught some about in my Facebook group is about flat lay images, those images that show your desktop mm-hmm. looking down from above. And I just keep asking people, why do we keep showing the world pictures of our Mac laptop and a macaroon and a succulent plant and a gold pen? Why do we show people our office supplies beautifully arranged as though that were somehow illustrating the work that we do? Mm-hmm. Because people who work with you don't care what implements you use. Mm-hmm. And they don't actually even really care about the wealth that it might signify if it's a fancy laptop or whatever. People want to see your mind in action, right? So if your desktop was instead kind of this magical theater space that really shows how your imagination works, what kind of objects or pictures or actions would be happening on that desktop? Like what objects or images say something about the transformation that happens when people work with you? So show us your genius. Don't show us your appearance, which goes back to that thing. where we feel like we need to show up with a certain kind of appearance and not actually trust that our mind can be out there really fully. So a lot of my assignments for people are about that. Like, let's reveal what's under the hood here. Yeah. And I think that's really cool the way you position this question. Because for me, like, when you ask that question, that's like the natural problem solver in me. I will find a way to like solve that problem. Yes. So I think that that is a beautiful assignment. Like maybe we can have people comment in the show notes section and show us your genius. I think that would be cool. Yes. However you feel comfortable doing it, right? But anyone that does it, like, maybe we can give them a gift of some sort. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So we didn't plan this, (laughs) but um, we can come together and talk about whatever we want to give away. But I think that would be really cool. And just let's see your genius. Yes. I love that. Awesome. Yay. I love that. Yay. (laughs) Okay. So Where can people find out more about you and kind of anything that you want to share with us? You are welcome to share any free like opt-ins or anything that you want to share. Wonderful. Uh, So people can find me at my website, which is amywalsh.net. You can find me in the Facebook group, Tactical Imagination Club. Mm -hmm. In that Facebook group, two or three times a year, I run a five-day workshop called Master the Art of Visual Storytelling, which is a blast. I give assignments and prompts every day, and people flood the Facebook group with images that they're making, just experimental, wild, fun riffs on the assignments that I give. And that workshop isn't always happening in that group, but it creates this energy that kind of lasts all year. It's a place where people experiment and support each other to try things. So I invite you to that group. And I just completed a freebie that I have not published yet, but I will before this podcast is published probably. And it's 24 creative process prompts. 24 kind of mini assignments to loosen you up, kind of shake you up and get you approaching your visual storytelling from different angles. And that's really focused on creating social media images in particular. 
So I don't have a URL for that yet because I haven't published it. But if you go to amywalsh.net, well, actually, it will be right on the front page. So that's where you can go to amywalsh.net for that. Okay. And we can link it up to the show notes too. Like once you get it. Okay. Send it to me. Great. Awesome. So there you have it. Another episode of the Impact Driven Entrepreneur. If you're listening to this, I want to encourage you to go ahead to the comment section of the show notes. So that's going to be at impactdrivenentrepreneur.com slash 15. And when you go there, you can show us a photograph of yourself that shows your genius. And it's all about you getting to be creative, getting to be really tuned in and turned on with your genius and the amazingness that you have to bring to the table. I love this exercise that she gave us and one lucky winner who comments on the post inside of the show notes section will be given a one hour session with Amy all about sharing your creative storytelling. I mean, this is so generous. I just am blown away by her generosity and I'm really, really excited for you to really start to showcase your creativity and have this opportunity to coach with Amy. So if that sounds like something you want to do, go to impactdrivenentrepreneur.com slash 14 for the show notes section where you can leave us your image for the creative storytelling that assignment. And if you've enjoyed this three-part series or even just this episode, please go ahead and share this out with a friend of yours. Maybe there's somebody that is really struggling with their creativity that you can share this episode with. So help out a friend and share this out. Until next week, have an awesome day.